You got it? Is it on, brother? All right, good deal. Well, isn't it good to be saved? I'm telling you, that's some good singing. I'll tell you what made it good is the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be. Good to be at Calvary Baptist Church with you good folk this this week. Uh, I I really have a hard time saying all the right things. It's like it comes in, I'll think of it, but it goes out goes out by as fast as it comes in. But I want to thank y'all for the good room and the, you got me a snack basket and brother and sister Puckett took us to lunch today. Church, I, I appreciate the goodness that you've shown to us while we've been here already. Thank you so much for that. Church, we need the Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can't do anything without Him. Got to have him. Well, I'll sound like a broken record this week. As I have aged, I have found out we can do nothing without him. Take the best preacher that ever walked in shoe leather, the best singers. I could use the most proper English and put all the points together just right, rightly exegete the scriptures. But the fact of the matter is, without the Lord, it'd be just a wasted effort. Preacher, it'd be wasted. And if we're going to get any help tonight, uh, he's going to have to help us. And I I tell you what I would do if I was here and lost, I believe I'd think about getting saved. That's right. I I believe I'd think about that. Brother Puckett, you might ought to preach. You're doing an awful good job. Awful good job of it. I want to turn to Luke chapter 15 tonight. Very familiar passage. Every every preacher in the house has preached from it and every Sunday school teacher has no doubt taught from it. And I have have heard some different teaching on it here in in our circles on this passage in, in recent years and you may disagree with me, and if you do, just, just say this, say the preachers, uh, he's making application. You can, there is a context, but there is application. I believe I've got it right, though. I don't believe it would be a problem, but uh, I want to look in Luke chapter number 15, and I want to talk to you tonight, if I can, for a little while, on the prodigal son. I want to talk to you on that, but I want to kindly kindly coast into it and I want to uh, pray. Now if you was up here would you want somebody praying for you? Then I'd like for y'all to pray for me tonight one more time before we get started that the Lord would just make the preaching easy and that he would open hearts to receive. Now I want to ask you this, I asked last night what are you going to do if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and tells you to do something? Now before the pressure's on and before the the Spirit's dealing with you, why don't you just say if the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I'm going to obey. Don't you think that'd be a good idea? Now if we're not going to obey, we're just wasting our time uh, this week. And so just purpose in your heart if God deals with you, whether it's something in your life you need to get rid of, 
whether you're lost and you need to be saved, if God speaks to your heart, why don't you just say before we go one step farther, if he speaks to me, I'm going to obey. Don't you think that'd be a good, a good thing for us to commit in our hearts tonight? Otherwise, we're wasting our time. We're just wasting our time if we're not going to obey the Spirit of God. And so please pray with me and for me this evening. Our dear Heavenly Father, I I come to you and I I recognize my inadequacy and my insufficiency. Father, I know you are my sufficiency and you can make me adequate. And you have called me and placed me in this world. And now, Father, I, I just ask you give me this opportunity, but Lord, I ask you if you would uh, take me out of the way. As old John the Baptist said, you must increase, I must decrease. Father, I pray you'd just let me say to your people what you would say if you were preaching this message to this crowd tonight. Oh, God, put a, put a direction on my tongue. I pray you open hearts. I pray you remove anything that might hinder the working of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, I pray that you would move on your people, that they would obey as you move upon their heart. Help us to be not just hearers, but doers of the word. Father, we'll thank you for what you do. Whatever you choose to do this evening, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a lot of things I could title. I'm not a good titler. You know, a title, a title just catches you. I need to hire somebody to give me some titles on some of these things. But if I, if I had a title tonight, I, I might title it this in my, my little simple mentality. It don't have to be that way. It don't have to be that way. We're going to look at a man whose life, uh, he really wrecked his life for a while. But can, and my typical of a lot of people today, but it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And so I, I want us to start, and I'm, I'm going to give you what, what the Holy Ghost, what I think the Holy Ghost has given me, and I'm trying to be obedient this, this week, is be as sensitive as I can be. I want you to notice the first two verses. I think it explains much about, about the chapter. The Bible says in verse number one and two, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now, here's, here's what we know from the Word of God. If you study the Word of God, you'll find out there's different kinds of sinners. All sinners, I'm not saying that. But in John chapter 3, you have a Hebrew sinner, a religious sinner. Do you know those sinners go to church every Sunday? They put money in the offering plate, sing in the choir, say amen, I guess, as lost as a ball in high weeds. 
Matthew, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this to you. Feel like maybe I ought to before it gets started. In Matthew 7, I know, I know all you Bible students know where I'm, where, where I'm headed with this. In Matthew 7, verse 21, it says, It's not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now think about that for a minute. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, did it say a few will say or many? It said many, I believe. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not. Now I know this is talking about false prophets, but we can apply that to this to believers as well. There's a lot of preachers gonna go to hell. That, that's right, I'm, I'm not saying God called preachers, but there's a lot of so-called preachers gonna go to hell according to the text here. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Here's what they're saying, we preached, we've cast out devils and we've done many wonderful works and here's what he's gonna say, I I never knew you. I, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That ought to sober us up tonight. I believe as Paul said in first, maybe second Corinthians, the last chapter, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. That's right, we better take inventory and make sure where we're at. And so as we come to this text, we know the scribes and the Pharisees are a religious, they're religious but lost. And so here they are, and they're murmuring against Jesus who is eating with heathen sinners. John chapter four. John chapter three, you have a Hebrew sinner. John chapter four, you have a heathen sinner. The woman living in sin. And then in John chapter five, you have a helpless or a hopeless sinner. I don't have any man to help me when the water's troubled. So there's... They're sinners and all are sinners, but you've got three or four different types of sinners and they're in need of different things. And so as we look at our text, we're seeing two types of sinners. We're seeing the religious sinners, the Pharisees and the scribes, and then we're seeing the heathen sinners, the publicans and sinners. And so the, the religious sinners are fussing at the heathen sinners. And so uh, the Lord stops and he responds to that. And he gives us the teaching that we get in chapter 15. And in chapter 15, you will see that there is, and this is, this is a word that you'll read if you study any, any of the, commentaries, if you believe in that and look at the other writers, they'll call this a trilogy of parables. It's three parables about the same subject. And so as we begin to work uh, through this, we would see the first parable is the lost sheep and the Savior, or the shepherd, let me say, a type of the Savior. And it gives us the responsibility of the shepherd. 
The shepherd seeks the sinner through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he convicts the sinner. And he makes it real in the sinner's life that he's lost. Children sometimes will ask, well, preacher, when will I know I'm supposed to be saved? When will I know it's time? Can I just say what my parents said to me? You'll just know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we serve God able to make you know when it's time for you to be saved. That's right. And so it's his job to seek the sinner. Then when he finds a sinner, if you'll look in that text, let me see how, how he, what he does with it. Uh, lays him on his shoulder, I believe, or either pulls, it's Isaiah where he pulls him up to his chest. So he lays him on his shoulder and he carries him back to the fold. Now let me say, you can't do anything to be saved but except what Jesus has already done. When he seeks you out and you, you submit to him and place faith in his, him and his finished work on Calvary, He'll place you into the fold. And so in the first, in the first parable, we see the, the work and the responsibility of the, of the Savior. Now in the second parable, we see a woman's responsibility. I believe this is a type of the church, the bride of Christ. I want you to notice what she does. Now, here's what it says she does. Uh, when she loses that piece of money, she lights a candle. I believe we ought to be the light of the world, don't you? I, I believe that's right. She, she lights a candle, and then she seeks diligently till she finds it. I believe we ought to be seeking sinners. Don't you think that's right? I can just see this lady with her broom going over in the corner, maybe where she hadn't been a long time, Brother Puckett, and she starts sweeping around, a little dirt over there, maybe under that dirt, there's something of value there. That's right. I, I want to say to you what you and I should be doing is sweeping around in this world trying to find that soul that's of value to our Lord. And so we see in the second parable that she brings the, uh, she lights a candle and she begins to sweep. And I want you to notice the word. It doesn't just say she sweeps, but let me see if I can find it. It says she seeks diligently. Now I, I put the word sweep in there because that word seek means you hunt for, you search out for. And I can just see that woman in her house. Now that shepherd, that, that lamb was lost in the wilderness, but the coin was lost in the house. And I, I know y'all have heard, I know you've heard this preaching, but I just, want, I just want to remind you of it again. And so here's this lady in the house searching, seeking diligently. Diligently means you don't take it casually. That's right, you're not just haphazard about it or half-hearted. It means you really put your heart into doing what you're doing. And so here she is seeking and she's a sweeping and, and she's over here and she's raising up and looking and hunting for a coin. A picture of the work of the church, I believe. 
But then we come to the parable of the father and the son. Now, keep in mind, the Pharisees were sinners in the house, so to speak. And the publicans and the sinners were sinners outside the father's house. If you'll just give me that license tonight. Now, I understand they wasn't saved, the Pharisees. I'm not saying they were saved, but they were in organized religion and in the temple and in the house of God, if I can. If you'll let me make that comparison. Now we're gonna read about a man who had two sons and one of them was out of the father's house but the other one was in the father's house but neither one of them was in the right relationship with the father. That's the the story we're looking at tonight. I know you've heard that. But I, I, want to say, I want to say that to you again. And so I want us to spend just a, a little bit of time talking about this son. Really, I'd like to talk about the father. This story's just as good talking about the father as it is the son. I mean, he, he divided up his living, but he must have had plenty left over because he didn't run out. I mean, hey, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, Brother Pucky. You know that's right. And he, he owns it all. And my, you can just go down and see a beautiful picture of the father there. But the Holy Ghost told me to talk about the son for a little while. Now here's what I see. And you're, you, I always put maybe a little picture to it just Bear with me. I, here's, here's, I see a younger son, the baby in the family. You know how you do the baby. He gets babied. That's right. He gets, he gets babied around. A lot of times that's the case. That's what all the older kids say anyway. He, he gets babied. So here he is and he's starting to grow up. That, that's what I, I vision in my mind. I know it's a parable. But just stay with me for a little while and I'll get, I'll get to my message. Where once he, he could play around, his father wouldn't say anything. and His elder brother was doing, doing the work and he could play. Now things are beginning to change. It's hard to grow up, isn't it? I mean, really, it's hard to grow up. And so I see this fella growing up and the fathers begin to put responsibility on him workload on him and it's hard on this fella. He he doesn't like it. A baby don't like it when you make them grow up. That's how it is, spiritually or physically, that's how it is. It's it's a hard thing to do. That's what I see with this, this, this younger son, he doesn't like it. And maybe his father roughs him up. If he's like my dad, he roughs you up, he wants you to, he tried to toughen us up as kids. He knew we was going out into the world, right or wrong, he tried to toughen us up. He roughed us up sometimes, a little more than I like sometimes. But that's how it was. And that's what I see here with this fella. He's, he's heard about this place called the far country. Man, he's heard how, how good the far country is. And he's seeing these, it's, this is not what I want to do with my life. 
I don't want to farm. Don't want to be about agriculture. I want it, I want it the way it used to be. And he's disgruntled. And so he comes to the, he's, he's thinking in his mind, what about that far country? And so tonight I want to, the devil knew what was running through his mind. Maybe he said something. I know the devil's not omniscient, but I'm, I'm just saying that no doubt he said a few words and something to his friends or whatever, but the devil picks up on the fact that he's headed to the far country. And so I'm, I want to look tonight at a few things about the elder son. I want to look first at the temptations of this, I said elder, of this younger son. I, I want to look at a few things about that. Number one, he was, now think about this for a minute. He, he was tempted to trade future blessings for present blessings. Stop and think about that a little bit. He said, just give me what, what's mine. Really, that's his inheritance. Is, is that not right? And the fact of the matter is, he should have got his inheritance somewhere out there in the future. But here's what he said, I want it now. And the devil said, you need to live life for now and not for down the road. And that's what he's telling a lot of God's people. And they're buying into it. And they're putting the things of the world ahead of God. Amen. That's where he's at tonight. My, his his, he's trying to get ahead of God. And my, can I say to you young folk, the devil's gonna do you the same way. He's gonna say, forget about them things of God and focus on here and now. You, you focus in on what I do for, isn't that what he did to Jesus? You know what he said to Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. He had a heavenly kingdom that's gonna be eternal. And he said, oh, if you'll worship me, I'll give you an earthly kingdom that's gonna pass away. But he'd had to sacrifice the eternal kingdom. That's what he'll try to get you to do. Young folk, listen to me today. One of the first things the devil will try to do is get you to live for the present and not worry about the future. I want to tell you, God's people, we live for the future, friend. Oh, my. It may look bad down here right now, but it's going to get a lot better down the road. Amen. Well... I usually don't get this excited, but for some reason I get stirred up a little bit. Here's what I'm saying, that young fella. Isn't that what Esau did? He traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. Pottage, whatever pottage is. I guess it's a bowl of soup. About all I think, beans or something. He traded it for his birthright. Can you imagine trading a bowl of soup for your birthright? Man, that's unbelievable to me. But here he was and he said, I'm not worried about the future, I'm worried about the present. Afraid, afraid 
That's where a lot of us are at. Oh my. Can I say that's, that was the temptation. And by the way, every temptation I'm going to mention, this young fella yielded to. I, I wonder tonight, is the devil trying to get you to trade your spiritual future for some earthly gain presently? Here's a job you can have and make way more money than you've ever made in your life. Go ahead, but you got to work on Sunday. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, listen. Listen, you can trade. You can trade up to that job, but it's going to cost you spiritually. Can I say you'd be a lot better off to say I'll just stay where I'm at, stay faithful to the house of God, let God lead and guide your life and live your life for the future. Amen. The devil tries to make the present look so good. But can I remind you what the Bible says about Esau? Hebrews 12 and 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now here's, here's what I think's going on there. I think Esau sold his birthright, but there came a time he wished he could get it back. He wanted it back. I want to say if you sell out spiritually, there'll come a time you'll regret that. That's right, and he wanted to rectify it and make it right, but it's too late. And I want to say to you, there's a lot of things you can make right, but there's some things, once it's done, it's done. You can't make it right again. You can't undo the wrong and erase it and make it right. It's there and you have to live with it. God can forgive you and you can go on and I thank God for it. But there's things in the present. If you make the wrong decision, there's some things you're just gonna have to live with. That's right. And here's old Esau and he's, he'd like to repent and change his mind and go back and get his birthright now. The years have passed and when the birthright would have been of value to him, he'd like to have it, but it's too late. It's too late. And the first thing, the first thing I wanna, I wanna say to you tonight, don't let the devil rob you of spiritual treasures by giving you physical pennies. For, for the valuable things of God. Here he is, here's the fella, and he don't know how well he does have it, really. And I, I understand growing up's tough. I understand in the house of God, sometimes there's things that come along that's tough. And I've got this verse for a little later, but let me just say, the, you may think it's hard in the house of God, but the Bible says, the way of transgressors is hard. You may think it's hard in the house of God. What if you was out here in the world out of the will of God, trying to make it, trying to get by? I'm telling you, the way of the transgressors is hard. I tell you what I believe I'd do. I believe I'd get right with God if I wasn't right. Oh my. Well, we see, we see he was tempted to trade 
uh, future blessings, really spiritual blessings, and our typology for earthly blessings, present blessings. But then number two, he was tempted to forsake the Father's house for the far country. Think about that. Here he is, and he's heard about the far country, and the devil is telling him, it don't say that, I'm just telling you, I'm just preaching the story. And the devil's telling him, it's a lot better down there at the far country than it is at your at the, at the father's house. Now I, I just want to I just want to camp out here just for a little while and, and say this: the devil doesn't want you in the house of God. He he doesn't want you in God's house. My, let me let me let me encourage you. Here's here's some of the things the devil will say to you. Well, you just don't fit with that crowd. That's what he'll say. You you just you're out of place. And then the devil may even say this: preacher don't like you. Has that ever crossed your mind? I'm serious. I can't believe the preacher said what he said. Everybody knows he's preaching right at me. Isn't that right? Well, I've sat on the pew and thought the preacher's preaching at me before. Yes, sir. The the preacher don't like you. He's preaching to you. You're not like them. They're mean to my kids. They shun my kids. Let me me just tell you something. There's been many, many, many of God's saints God had a church over their kids. That's Achilles' heel. And can I say, when you get your, you, you gather your little family up and march out of the house of God, you've done great damage to your family. That's right. You will have damaged them much more than they will be damaged in a godly church where the man of God is preaching the word of God. That's right. I'm telling it right. Go ahead. Gather them up. March out the door. Can I say you're committing spiritual suicide for your family? Amen. And can I say, I can I say we all get upset sometimes. If I quit and walked out the door every time I got hurt or offended, I'd leave about every other Sunday. That's exactly right. But I know this, it's the house of God where I'll get help from. It's the man of God preaching the word of God that's gonna help me and my family. That's right. Here's the old devil. By the way, without the church, you're just a sitting duck for the devil. That's what you are. You're a sitting duck for the devil. You know what the Bible says? This is the Bible, this is not the preacher. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. Now listen at this. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You think the day is approaching well, I do. We're in the last days. You're blind if you can't see that. 
I believe we are. We're in the last day. We're on the launching pad. Do you know Daniel teaches there'll be a peace treaty that'll usher in the, the tribulation? You reckon this war, when they sign the peace treaty on this war, it'll be the end? You ever thought about that? It could be over. I mean, you know, they're wanting the Israel to lay it down. They're saying, we're not gonna quit fighting, but somebody's gonna come along one of these days and they'll work out some kind of, some kind of peace agreement. I just wonder if that'll be the end. I wonder if we're that close. I, I mean, we could be out of here in just a little while. Oh my, I'm telling you, we ought to, we ought, that ought to challenge us to come to the house of God. Amen. You see, have you ever seen, my mind is racing right now. Have you ever seen one of them National Geographics and there'll be a little herd of, I don't know if they're antelope or deer, whatever they are, and the old lion will charge that herd. And what he's wanting to do is run one of them little scared ones off to itself. Separate, that's it, that's the word I was looking for. He wants to separate one from the pack. But you know we're sheep, we're, we're supposed to be flock people. We're made to flock together. We're sheep. But can I tell you the devil knows that and he knows if he can charge in some way beguile you and, and encourage you to get out of the house of God and run you away from those who love you the most and run you away from the pillared ground of the truth where you'll be exhorted to love and good works and be, be reproved and rebuked. Yeah. My, can I tell you, you need the church. You need the church and the devil knows if he can get you out of the church, he has you where he wants you. And like that lion trying to get that one to stray away, that's what the devil's trying to do to you tonight. Oh, stay with the church. Stay in the Father's house. Oh, my. He's tempted to leave the Father's house, and he does. Ah. There's so much we could say. The church really is a haven of safety for God's people. That's right. There ain't nobody gonna love you outside of your family much more than your church family will. That's right. I promise you, I know this brother right here. I know him a little bit, and I promise you, he cares about y'all. He cares. You get in trouble, you'll see him show up somewhere. You get in trouble, he'll be on his knees somewhere praying for you. Oh my, don't leave the church. No matter what comes or goes, stay in the Father's house. Don't be like the prodigal and say, hey, give me what's mine and I'm gonna take my journey. Oh no, stay at the Father's house. He was tempted. He was tempted to put the present ahead of the future. Let me just tell you, we're about the future. That's it. We're just pilgrims and strangers down here. We're just passing through for a little while. Look, I'm 67 years old. It just seemed like yesterday. I was playing around the house, and mom's, mom's telling me what to do. You sit down, you do this, you do that. Here I am, an old man. 
It won't be long that they'll say, Preacher, Preacher Saxton, who's that? I'll be gone. You know why? I'm a pilgrim and a stranger. I'm just here. My life, life soon passes you by. It's like a vapor that appears for a little while. You ever seen a little puff of smoke? And that smoke will be there and then you'll see it start dissipating. It'll, it, it'll be slow, but it'll slowly. And then in a little while, there won't be any smoke. Some folks reckon that to a fog. You've seen the fog of the morning, but by 11.30 in the day, it's gone. That's what life is. You're soon gonna be history. Oh my, stay with God's what I'm trying to tell you. Stay with the people of God. Stay in the Father's house. Oh my, it's there you'll get held. Oh my. Temptation. There was temptations there. My, we see then. Notice what happened after he got out of the Father's house. He wasted his substance with riotous living. After you get out of the Father's house, can I tell you what's, what the devil's gonna do next? He's gonna lead you to the life of sin. That's, that's the process, that's how it works. You become disgruntled at the Father's house and you, you, forget, about, you forget about the future and you're all about the present and you leave the Father's house and you hear how good it is out in the world. Isn't that right? You ever, you ever see a beer commercial on TV? You could just about describe it, couldn't you? Here's a man driving a Corvette, three or four beautiful women around him, the half naked, they're laughing and joking, and the idea is to make you think alcohol is a good thing and you'd have a good time. They don't show you the drunk laying in the gutter, urinating all over himself and throwing up little children at home needing food and their daddy hooked on alcohol. They don't show you that part of it. Oh, listen to me. The devil will take you into sin after he gets you out of the church. <coughs> Excuse me. He'll take you. He'll, he'll tempt you and lead you into sin. That's what happened. If you look there, he wasted his substance the end of verse 13 with righteous living. And if you go over and look at what the son said, in verse 30 he says, he devoured thy living with harlots. That's right. You'll, you'll yoke up with the wrong companions when you get out of church. I mean, where, you, where can you go when you leave the church? Where are you going? Find another good godly group outside the church. You ain't gonna find that tonight, club. You're not going to find it at the ball field. That's right. I'll tell you what God, I'll tell you how, I'll tell you how pitiful it is. Some of God's people have sold God out for little league practice. Let me just go ahead and throw that out. I'm from a county, it's a big sports county. You know what, you know when they like to practice Wednesday night and Sunday? It's almost like the devil's in that thing to try to wreck God's people. And can I say poor old foolish Christians put little league baseball ahead of God? Can you believe that? They sell God out for little league baseball. Their kid's not worth 30 cents. They all forget that junk. You're caught up in that, throw that stuff away. 
give, give your life and your family to God. Put him first. Oh my. Here's the, I know I just made some of you mad, but it's the truth. It's just the truth. And I love, I love to watch a ball game good as anybody. But I'll tell you this, I won't let it come ahead of God. That's right. I ain't ever missed church over practice. I ain't ever missed church over watching a ball game. I don't intend to. I, by the grace of God, I need to say that. That's right. By the grace of God, I'm not going to do that. That's kid stuff. And if God's people would stand up, those coaches would back down. They'd practice a different time. We're too spineless to stand for what we believe. You know that's right. Amen. Well, I wish my church was here and heard that. That's exactly right. I preach like this to my church. I'm not doing anything here I, I don't say there. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Boy, you're being, you're being tough. You're going to get in your car and go home here in a few days. Well, I may do it, but I'm telling you, when I, you ask them, if you ever come up or ask them, if I've ever preached on that junk. That's the world stuff. And when you get out of church, that's all you've got to go to. The world. What are you going to find in the world, friend? There's nothing there for a child of God. Oh, my. Now, I understand this is a picture of lost people, but that's, that's, that's good application. That's good application. Well, once out of the church, he's tempted to live a life of sin. And once out of the church, he's tempted to yoke up with ungodly people. In this case, it was harlots. And let me just say this to you young people. We're living in a, maybe, maybe this is a little harsh, I don't know, but we're living in a sex-crazy world. That's right. You can wreck your life overnight. There, there are young people who sold their purity out for a one-night stand. I know that's plain talk. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but the fact of the matter is you hear more on the television what I just said. That's right. You know that's right. Oh, listen to me, mom and dad. Live for the Lord. And the devil try to get you out of church. Refuse. Hang in there. Stay with your preacher. Let him help you along the way. Oh, well, I can't seem to get off that point. Well, he was tempted. That's what I'm saying. The devil will tempt you. He'll tempt you to forget about your spiritual future. Sell it out. Sell it out. Ah, and then once you sell it out, he'll, he'll, he'll get you out of church and he'll get you chasing everything in the world. Ah, stay in the house of God. But let, let, let me just say this, maybe, just maybe there's some, somebody here, you slipped into the world. Can I say you ought not be ashamed of that? That happens to everybody sometimes. They get a little bit worldly. Isn't that right? Are y'all so holy you've never got worldly? You know that's right. You just get worldly. You shouldn't and you don't better, but you just, you just get worldly. You're not where you ought to be with God. And yet you, you kind of quit reading your Bible and you quit praying like you ought to. 
fact of the matter, you, you're probably not talking like you ought to and maybe, maybe you're hanging around some of the wrong people. But can I tell you, it don't have to be that way. It don't have to be that way. Here's, here's a man that succumbed to every temptation that came his way. He was tempted to leave the father's house. He was tempted to uh, uh, engage in a lifestyle of sin. He was tempted to yoke up with the wrong crowd, and he did. But can I say, with, with that comes some baggage. Not only do we see his temptations, we see his troubles. It bankrupted him. He, 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 he lost, preacher just said it, he lost it all. He, he, didn't, he didn't have anything. Famine came in the land. There's a famine. A famine came in the land. And it doesn't just say famine. What's your Bible say? Mighty famine. This thing was pretty bad. I'm going to tell you, go ahead and get in the world. It'll cost you everything. If you're not careful, it'll cost you your self-respect, your dignity. It may even cost you your health. It can cost you your family. It can cost you your job. It can cost you everything. Now, sometimes it don't, but many times it does. My. And he began to be in want, and he couldn't find anybody to give, give him something to eat. Uh, I want you to notice, I believe it's verse uh, 17, the last part. He, he is about to die. Yeah. And I perish with hunger. He knew he was in bad shape. Yeah. He knew he was in bad shape. Now, let me ask you, what shape are you in? Now, that's a fire question. Here we are. I said, here's what I said when we started. If the Holy Ghost speaks to you, are you going to obey now, I'm asking you, you ask the Lord, what spiritual, what spiritual shape am I in? What spiritual, am I about to die spiritually? Am I, am I, have I slipped? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Where are you? I mean, here's what he said, I'm, I'm about to perish with hunger. He, he knew where he was at. Where are you at? Right. He, he realized. He realized his condition. And when he started thinking right, there was a turning that took place and it started with his thinking. Notice, notice what he said in verse 17. And when he came to himself, I mean, he started thinking right. Have you ever seen a drug addict? And they'll be on drugs, and here's what you wonder, why wouldn't they want something better? I mean, they lose their, they lose their teeth, they lose their dignity, they, they lose their honesty, they lie, they, 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 they lose all their money. They risk going to jail and you say to yourself, man, why wouldn't they want something better than that? Why, why, why? Can I tell you why? They're not thinking right. Can I say, if you're, if you're out in sin, there's a better life. 
There's a better life. Back at the Father's house, there's a better life. That's right. You don't have to keep going like you're going. You don't have to live like you're living. He, he's living He's living out of the hog pen, if I could say that. But he don't have to. He's got a father. Mike, and I tell you, there's a heavenly father that's looking down on you and he wants to help you if you'll come to He started thinking, right? He realized who he was and where he was first. I think God has to do that. I've talked to people too, I'm blue in the face, and it's like I've not said anything. They're not hearing nothing I say, brother. But when God gets a hold of them, they start thinking right, and they realize, man, you know, God may be speaking. He, he gave me this message to preach. I, I, I don't know why. I, I really don't like preaching familiar texts because I feel like many times I'm just saying what you already know. But God told me to preach that. There may be a prodigal in here. And we may all be prodigals to a degree. We may have slipped from the Father's house. Just to, just to some degree. And so here he realizes, where are you at? Let me ask you again, where are you at spiritually? And then when he realized where he was at, he remembered how good he used to be. He, he thought back and what he thought was bad, he changed his mind. And that place he left because he didn't like it there, now he thinks it'd be a good place to be. He changed his mind about the Father. I don't want to be away from the Father. I want to be with the Father. He changed his mind about himself. I'm tired of this lifestyle. I want something better. You know what that's called? Repentance. He repented. He just said, I'm wrong and the Father's right and I'm gonna see if he'll forgive me and I'm gonna change the way I live if he'll help me. You know, that's all you have to do. He wants to help you. But you're gonna have to decide you want help. And can I say, he started thinking differently, but then he resolved. He resolved to take action. Here's what he said. It wasn't just a thinking thing with it. Notice what he said. Let me see if I can find it. I will arise and go to my father. He said, I'm going to the father. I mean, that's a resolve. That's a determination. I'm going back to the father. He didn't know how to be received, but he didn't know this. I'm going back to the father. I tell you, it'd be a good day in your life if you're away from the Father to say this, I'm sick of this life and I'm going back to the Father. That's right. You don't have to live the way you're living. He resolved to go back to the Father. And not only did he resolve, he took action. Here's why I think there's a lot of people mean to get right. They just never do. They're going to sometime. They're going to sell out. They mean to be dedicated Christians. They're going to somewhere down the road, 
but they never get to it. There's a lot of sinners in hell today because of that same thing. If you're hearing lost, today is the day of salvation. And here's what you say, well, I'm, I'm gonna wait to, that's what the devil told me the night I got saved. He said, why don't you wait till it's not so crowded? We was having revival meeting, yes, much like this, and it's crowded, and he said, why don't you wait till it's not so crowded? Why don't you just put it off? You know what he's hoping for, don't you? Hoping I'd put it off till I plunged into hell. If you're here and lost, and I'll tell you, the devil tell you to put it off, but you're playing, you're, you're, you're playing with your eternal destination. I'll tell you what I'd do if I was lost and God was speaking to my heart. I believe I'd get saved. I believe I'd go to the Father. I'd just come up here and say, Father, I'm a sinner. I, I know what Jesus did on the Really, I, 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 you know what I said when I got saved? I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't even know what repentance was. I repented and didn't even know what I was doing. That's right. I just knew I was a sinner. He's a savior. I was on my way to hell and he could deliver me. All I said was God save me. God save. I don't even know if I said it out loud. But Mike, can I tell you, it, it may not sound good to you, but it, it was enough to get the job done. Oh, it wasn't what you say with your mouth, it's what your heart said. Oh my, if you want to be saved, he'll, he'll save you today. Go to the Father, that's the answer for your life. Go back to the Father, resolve to go to the Father. And then take action. Don't just be a hearer. Take action. And even if you're saved and you're not where you ought to be, can I tell you what you ought to do? I've been preaching to church all, all night. You, you, ought to, you ought to get back to the Father. You ought to get back to the Father. You know what he did when he got back? He just confessed he's a sinner. Just a sinner. That's all it took. Read, he cut him short. The father cut him short after that. He rolled him up and picture salvation. I understand that. But can I say, if you're, if you're already saved and you've strayed from the father, you won't lose your salvation. Don't, don't think I'm saying that. But you'll lose your fellowship. You'll lose your joy. Is it Psalm 51 where David Praise restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. I want to ask you, you come back to the Father, and I could talk about the triumph for a little bit. We see his, we see his turning and his troubles and his temptation. But can I say he, he experienced victory in his life? You can too tonight. There's no reason you can't have spiritual victory in your heart and life tonight. You say, preacher, I've, I've just struggled. Won't you let the Lord help you? Won't you let him help you tonight? My, the best people I know are the ones who use the altar. That's the truth. You say, what will people think? They'll be glad for you if you need the altar tonight. You're too proud. Is the Holy Ghost dealing with you? Did you say, did you say to yourself, if the Holy Ghost speaks to me, 
I'm, I don't care what people think, I'm going to obey. If you will, you lead the night with victory in your soul. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I, I come to you tonight. Father, I, I just tried to preach what I thought you'd give me. And I know this is a good crowd tonight, but maybe, just maybe, we need to move up a little closer. I, I, I don't know. But you take what I've said, and Father, just make it real. Make it real in the hearts of the listeners tonight. Do what needs doing. As the brother comes to give the invitation, Father, you just, you just do whatever you, you know needs doing. I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Brother Puckett.